Silhouettes. Travel back in time to the 80s, reliving the advice. Carpe diem. Seize the day. The comebacks. Why don't you take a picture? It'll last longer. <laughs> and the technology. Are you telling me that you built a time machine? Out of a DeLorean? Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Can you say stuck in the 80s? Welcome to Stuck in the 80s. It's your host, Steve Spears. And Brad in LA. And today we go back three decades to celebrate or roast three movies turning 30 in October. Let's get into trouble, baby. Stuck in the 80s is a member of the CLNS Podcast Network. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and the CLNS Media mobile app. You know, Brad, I, I got a new app the other day for my car. It's Waze, but it actually talks like Brad in LA. Does it really? Is that the, I hate the yeah. voice on a nav system. I do not want that thing ever talking to me, so I always have it shut off. But I use Waze every day. Steve, just continue on 417 south to Kissimmee and go to work at Disney. I don't like Disney, but you can work there. That's fine. Steve, you're 12 minutes late. I'm docking your pay. Two-tenths of an hour. Red light camera ahead. Speeding would be a big mistake. Anyway, as always, don't forget to listen to our podcast at the CLNS Media website. You can find it at... The ever so predictable address, clnsmedia.com. And as always, we plead. We really plead because no one really actually does this, and I'm still kind of stupefied why. If you love our show, share the links. Share the links to the show on your social media account. That's how we grow. That's how 80s Nation breathes. And uh, mm. don't forget to like our page on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Instagram account incoming soon. Yeah, I'm putting my photos out on the line and I'm creating an exchange. Yeah, that's Instagram. But mine's more of a social sharing on the line that's happening. Online. Quick interjection. When you keep saying on the line, you do mean online. Stuart, you don't do that to a man. Steve, joining us today, back in October of 1988, she was very preoccupied trying to figure out why Child's Play wasn't going to be released until November 9th after Halloween. It's Jen with one N. Hello. Is that true about Instagram? Is that for real? Uh, yeah. We're thinking about it. Yeah, huh. it's going to happen. Snapchat's not a good fit for our demographic. <laughs> I don't want to manage multiple <laughs> accounts, but Instagram I could probably pull off. All right. All right. Interesting. Hi, guys. How's it going? Not bad. Uh, great. It's going great. It's the fall. Um, fall weather in Florida is always lovely this time of year. It's uh, usually <laughs> um, rains and winds approaching 155 miles per hour and uh, coastal flooding. <laughs> usually. <laughs> Almost always, October is when um, hurricanes hit Florida. So, Looks like we're in for a blow. <sighs> we shall survive. We shall survive to talk today about movies that turned 30 this month. And October, as Brad likes to say, is not traditionally a month where Hollywood releases their, their biggest hits. No. You don't say. It's, it's, you know, the summer is long in the rearview mirror. Everyone's back to school. People are desperate for entertainment. They'll pay money to see anything. <laughs> yes. And they did 30 years ago. Yeah. Uh, we looked over the list of movies that were released in October 1988. And we desperately tried to each pick one movie that we could celebrate 
maybe is too strong of a word, but get through a, at least 10 minute segment uh, praising parts of it. Let's let's is that start too far. You know, let's gonna, start with celebrate and see what happens. I'm going to celebrate. Okay. I'm going to tell you right now. Everyone shot down my idea. I was going to do Bat 2-1, and everyone's like, no one's heard of Bat 2-1. <laughs> I thought and it I was just saw Batman. it like three weeks ago. Bat 2-1. It's a Vietnam War movie. That, I, I offered to give you the movie that I'm covering and take Bat 2-1, but you said no, and so here we go. Steve, yeah, you're no. so crappy your wabby. We're going to have some good energy this show. No, no it's great. I, I, have you ever heard my voice tone this high? Wow, you got so squeaky there. What does it mean, really Jen? Did. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I'm a little nervous, but kind of excited, too. Hey, let's start the fun. Brad, what movie are you repping from October 1988? I bring you the 1988 masterpiece. Well, it's not a masterpiece, but it's pretty silly. Tape heads. What's the budget like? That's it. I'm going to let you do this one on spec. What is spec? It means you do this one for free. It's the way everybody starts out. Oh, spec. Yeah, right, right. Spec. I know about spec. Tapeheads is a movie about two friends, Ivan and Josh, played by John Cusack and Tim Robbins, respectively. To get fired from their jobs as security guards after Ivan throws this giant birthday party for Josh at their work, like when they're supposed to be working. And, you know, in, in, in like the total Ghostbusters move, they lose their jobs and then they're going to start a new business. So they decide to start a music video production company called Video Aces and hijinks ensue. Yes, they do. Uh, this movie's available on YouTube. I think I, I watched the entire movie today, uh, or I should say listened to this entire movie today while I was working diligently at my work. This is a silly movie that shockingly is not available on streaming services other than, as Steve says, a certain video website that rhymes with Blue Cube. <laughs> so hmm. the, the video aces, Ivan and Josh, make a memorable commercial for Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles, which is a real L.A. business. You might have heard of it. Uh, chicken and waffles was a thing even in the 80s and this ad has to be seen to believe the guy is scratching a waffle on a turntable it's amazing yeah and and that's that's their their kind of first demo reel shot thing and but their career really takes off when they uh, misdub a tape that gets played on the music tv channel that's not mtv it's rtvt or something like that and it's it makes them appear to be artistic geniuses, this mistake. And then their, their fame takes off. They're you know, in demand. And they use their newfound fame to promote the fading career of their favorite soul duo, the Swanky Modes. name i like better video aces or swanky modes it's really it's really close <laughs> swanky modes swanky modes is pretty great uh, there's also a side plot where the video aces and this is so so tropey unknowingly have a copy of a videotape of a prominent politician who's engaging <sighs> in some extramarital activities and if this tape is discovered it will ruin his career which just seems very quaint by today's standards 
Uh, yeah. But that, that's the that's the side plot that kind of brings attention to the whole thing. Can can I say something about this movie right now? Uh, I, I guess I can. That's what the whole purpose of the show is. <laughs> but I, I've seen this movie a few times over the years, and I've never been able to watch it start to finish because it's just so. I don't know that it was ever meant to be seen start to finish. It's pretty silly. Yeah, but for the longest time, I thought the whole Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles thing was a joke. Like, I never, when I first saw this the first few times, I never dreamed that anyone actually had a restaurant that put chicken and waffles together. I thought that was such a punchline. I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> it, was, it was only like decades later that I realized that, that was actually a thing. Bitch, LA was bringing chicken and waffles in the 80s. Better get on board, brother. <laughs> Have you been uh, there? Have you been to to uh, Roscoe's? I have. There's a couple here in LA. The the one, <laughs> they've moved since the original movie, but there's one in Pasadena, not too far from me, and there's also one in LA. But I saw this actually. I saw this in the theaters, uh, mainly because a friend of mine heard it had a Devo song in it. Uh, oh, and it, it's, it takes so little song, back then, right, to go see. It really a movie. did. It really did. And and the the Devo song is a ridiculous Swedish cover of baby doll off of their then current album it's just it's so oh just God. i didn't so realize that was wow it. yeah that's it and, it, oh, and it's wow. devo covering it so like that's mark mother's boss singing in swedish probably phonetically i don't think he speaks swedish if you haven't cast your rock and roll hall of fame vote this might put it over uh, the top <laughs> this could yeah, be what you need this is it this, this, they do it. swedish too just just like abba abba's in the hall of fame right I think it's worth a look only if only for the two main protagonists. Tim Robbins is like just off the baseball diamond uh, as Nuke Lelouch. And John Cusack is, I guess this is before Say Anything, but this is the most anti-Lloyd Dobler ever. The the pencil-thin mustache is what does it for me. Well, and he's just a shuckster. He's just, he's, you know, always be closing, you know, coffees are closers. That's his kind of character. He's done it before. I mean, he's done it. He'll do it again. He'll do the grifters in a few years. And then you I, see. I, I, uh, oh, Ivan. I love the grifters. Don't get me wrong. But but Ivan is a, a salesman in the used car sense, much more so than those guys. The movie was produced by Michael Nesmith and Peter McCarthy, who I think most of us know also produced Repo Man. Yeah. And directed by Bill Fishman, who is best known for directing music videos. No shocker, since this movie basically is, it's like a lot like Purple Rain. It's it's a vehicle for delivering music videos. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah. but Fishman was best known for the Ramones with um, I Want to Be Sedated and Suicidal Tendencies for one of my favorite songs from the 80s, Institutionalized. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I'll bring to your attention is the cameos. Let me just read through a few real quick. Weird Al is appears as himself. And he just smashes a door into Ivan. It's fantastic. Uh, Bobcat Goldthwait plays Don Drusel, a motivational speaker on the on an infomercial who's promoting his book Prosperity Through Exploitation. <laughs> Pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, I was like, wait, I got to write that down. Don Cornelius is the Mo Fuzz, the head of Fuzzball Records. Oh, uh, good. Martha Martha Quinn plays a VJ on the Music Channel RVTV. And Jello Biafra of the Dead Kennedys plays an FBI man, and he has the line, remember what we did to Jello Biafra? As they arrest Ivan and Josh at the end of the movie. So I've been rather silent because the, the movie has been sort of reassembling itself in my mind as you've been talking. I cannot okay. believe you saw it in the theater. Like, I don't even remember this ever being in the theater. So uh, it, it just, probably was there for a week, you know? Yeah. So I saw this, um, I think, once, maybe twice, but it was definitely on videotape. 
And it definitely had that, you know, you mentioned Michael Nesmith, and we talked about elephant parts in, in an episode before. It definitely has that elephant partsy kind of feel, right? It's just, mm. it just is, yeah. is barely hung together with a, with a plot, and there's just a lot of goofiness in between. But I, I really like this movie, actually. I think, I think Tim Robbins and John Cusack play off each other well. Yeah, I agree. I was surprised at how much I liked it. I mean, I knew I had to watch it last night, so I sat myself down and I was watching it. My, you know, Katie's in the other room watching Great British Bake Off, which I'd rather be doing, but no, <laughs> you know, my dedication to the cause. And and she comes in, she's like, like almost accusing me. You know, I heard you laughing in here. I think you're kind of enjoying this. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, I kind of am. I'm kind of surprised, but it was it was funnier than I thought it would be. Yeah, it is what it is. It's it's in, it's in a category all to itself. It's not a B movie. It's certainly not. It was never a blockbuster. Never intended to be. It's just this little piece of artwork, you know. Take it at its face value, and you'll and you'll be fine with it. Jen, what's your pick for a movie you'd like to honor from October nineteen eighty eight? You like art, I because I got some art for you guys. Oh, all right. <laughs> okay, so this is a movie. Oh my gosh, from the year nineteen eighty eight, called Lair of the White Worm. So this movie is. Kind of a fun pick because it's, you know, as we record this, it's going to be Halloween in a few weeks. So this is kind of a Halloween-y type of a movie. They, they describe it as horror, but it's it's Ken Russell, which is a completely different, It's a, speaking of its own category. But Lair of the White Worm is loosely based on a Bram Stoker novel, um, also called Lair of the White Worm. And what I didn't realize was there actually is an English legend of something called the Lambton Worm. And they talk about it in the movie, but the movie is so like crazy bananas that you can't tell what's, you know, what's actually (laughs) (laughs) legend and what's like made up and what's Ken Russell in Ken Russell's crazy brain. So it was written and directed or adapted, I guess, by Ken Russell. And it stars Hugh Grant, like at his Hugh Grantiest, which is hilarious because this is one of his earliest movies. Catherine Oxenberg is also in it. She was from Dynasty. And then Amanda Donahoe is also in it. She, I don't know if you guys remember her. She played CJ in LA Law. Do you guys recall? Oh, yeah. Oh, she's beautiful. She's gorgeous. And she's so beautiful in this movie, if not a little bit terrifying. So I'm just going to give you a real quick rundown of the plot. This Scottish archaeologist is excavating a site in a place called Derbyshire. And it's run by these two sisters, Catherine Oxenberg, and then another actress named Sammy Davis, who is not very good. But anyway, he digs up... In one whole piece, this this is the first like five minutes of the movie, this humongous skull that looks like it's part of a large snake. And so he's thinking, oh, this might be part of that local legend that the Lambton worm thing that you're talking about that I was talking about earlier. So that's sort of what the play, the plot is based on. But then all this other stuff happens. Like, I, I can't even begin. So he, you're just, I'm going to set up this clip. You, uh, I, I almost want everyone listening to watch it. No kids, though. Seriously, make all the children go away because this is not appropriate for anyone under, I'm going to go said 16. Anyway, so so the clip that I'm trying to set up now is the woman who Amanda Donahoe plays, she runs into a literally a Boy Scout. He's in his, I would guess, teens. And so she lures him back to her her estate, and then sort of lair of the white worms him, as in she like, it's sort of vampirish the way she does this, but she sort of bites him, paralyzes him, and then 
this happens. You see, your vocal cords are paralyzed. In fact, your entire nervous system is paralyzed. You're a vegetable. Metaphorically speaking, of course. The god is not a vegetarian. Now, if you're sitting comfortably, I shall tell you why you must not be afraid to die. To die so that the god may live is a privilege, Kevin. And if you know anything at all about history, you will know that human sacrifice is as old as Dionin himself, whose every death is a rebirth into a god ever mightier. So that's just that that's probably one of the more normal parts of the movie. <laughs> that scene right there. <laughs> I'm telling you, it is just there's all okay. So my fear is that um I have recommended this movie to a couple of people now, but I was thinking it was actually a different movie <laughs> called Gothic, which is also directed by Ken Russell and is about the night Mary Shelley and Lord Byron came up with the story of Frankenstein. So I'm feeling very guilty if those people have instead watched Lair of the White Worm, because it is a very different movie. Very different. Um, <laughs> have either of you ever experienced a Ken Russell movie? I don't believe I that I did, have. I don't remember. Okay, because just to, just to borrow a phrase from contemporary parlance, Ken Russell is weird AF. I mean... In Lair of the White Worm, there's tons of like religious and sexual imagery, and none of it is subtle, like zero subtlety. The 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 two right. women who are sisters, their names are Eve and Mary, for example. But it's crazy. But but it's very campy. You kind of have to have a sense of humor about it because it's just so over the top bizarre. They spared all the expense on the special effects because it's <laughs> those are not good. Those are not good either. And I just bagpipes play a major part in saving the day. I mean, it's just crazy town, this, this movie. Huh. But it's fun. It's really fun. And that's the thing about Ken Russell is his movies are bizarre. And like I said, all of them are sort of loaded up with, with all kinds of symbolism. But they're really fun to watch. And I have heard tell that if you are under the influence of, say, marijuana, that wouldn't be a terrible way to watch this movie or any Ken Russell movie. So just a little pro tip for anyone who's interested okay. in diving okay. into the Ken Russell oeuvre. Much, it narrows down the audience to Colorado and California, but that's okay. <laughs> altered States. Have either of you seen Altered States? I, I've, I have seen Altered States. It's been a long time, but I do know. Yeah. Oh my gosh, Steve, it is such a good movie. It, it actually is a good movie. That was Ken Russell. Um, and a little bit more, and not quite so campy. And it was a, that was a film that was, that took place in America. So maybe that's why the rest of the movies that I am familiar with are, all in England, so you really have to pay attention because the accents are get a little thick sometimes. But um, but I actually would, in in good conscience, recommend <laughs> Altered States as a good film. This one is fun and campy, and if you're looking for something kind of Halloweeny, I would recommend it. So everyone's tr- probably sitting there just wondering: one, why am I still listening to this podcast? Two. <laughs> Brad confuses a lot of movies. He probably once confused Rain Man for Caveman. And three, what movie did Steve actually pick if he didn't pick Bat 2-1, a movie about the Vietnam War starring Gene Hackman? <laughs> Which is my way of sneaking in my honorable mention, Jen. Oh, well man. done, sir. Uh, I didn't get to sneak is, my honorable mention in. I feel chipped. <laughs> the answer is, surprisingly, Mystic Pizza.
Just what the hell do you two do together anyway? That's what I'd like to know. Well, if I told you, it would sound stupid. It would sound pathetic. Daddy boffing the babysitter is a really old story. It happens all the time. We talk, we read, we listen to Mozart sometimes. You really believe this 30-year-old guy is gonna leave his wife and live happily ever after with you? You're living in a fucking romance novel, cat. Oh, yeah. Boffing, fucking screwing. The great daisy, nobody's fool. Why don't you start taking cash for your services? It would be more honest. Wipe your conscience. So who foresaw... Uh, Spearsy taking a chick flick with a capital C and a capital F as his pick for uh, October 1988's Finest Fair. I must recuse myself. Hands, anyone? Hands? <laughs> okay. So Mystic Pizza came out, obviously, October 1988. Brad and I would have been seniors in college. It would have been our fall semester, correct? Yep. So I had a girlfriend. That's my excuse for having gone to see the movie in the theaters. But it had a really good buzz. And you'll find out why in a second. Uh, Mystic Pizza is a real pizza parlor. It exists today, and it existed back in the 80s. It's actually been around since the 70s. I've been to Mystic Pizza. It's located right there. You have? I have been to Mystic Pizza, yeah. Did you have the Mystic Pizza? I did. It was fine. I mean, it wasn't anything at all like what they portray in the movie, but it was was a good pie. This would have been in the the early 90s when I was was doing a project in Connecticut. Okay, so – in Mystic, Connecticut, there is a Main Street. It does have a Mystic Pizza. Uh, the writer of this movie, Amy Holden Jones, was vacationing in Mystic one summer. She saw the pizza parlor, and it inspired her to write this coming-of-age story about three girls living in Mystic. Two of them are sisters, and then their best friend. So the movie comes out. The Mystic Pizza shop becomes so famous that people would line up the sidewalk to go in and eat the pizza and steal menus and stuff like that. The restaurant actually was not the restaurant where they shot the movie. They actually redecorated the original pizza parlor to look like the one in the movie just to accommodate all the crazy fans. Why were they so crazy, you ask? Here's the cast. Lily Taylor, better known as Corey in Say Anything, which would be the following year. Julia Roberts. You could say this was her first big role since the only thing she'd done previously on the big screen is the highly unwatchable movie Satisfaction. Anyone Disagree. Defend that one. Mm-hmm. You like Satisfaction? <laughs> I do. Guilty pleasure. It was a fun movie. And I also liked when they would play it on NBC in the summer and call it Girls of Summer. <laughs> it was the same damn movie. <laughs> <laughs> Julia would do well for herself in the following years. Uh, the very next year, she would do Steel Magnolias and that kind of... And then two years later, she would do Pretty Woman. And she has twins. And then there's the girl... And then there's the girl who pretty much got top billing in Mystic Pizza, and that's Annabeth Gish. You could argue she was the biggest name going into the movie. She had just co-starred with John Cryer in Hiding Out in 1987. She would go on and do Shag in 1989. Anyone a big hero fan of Shag? Nope. I love Shag. (laughs) Anyway, she would always have more success in television shows, The X-Files, The West Wing, stuff like that. Uh, Mystic Pizza was also the debut film for a very young Matt Damon. His friend Ben Affleck auditioned for the film but didn't land a part. So uh, Vincent D'Onofrio is in here as uh, Lily Taylor's boyfriend slash soon-to-be husband. Spoiler alert. (laughs) (laughs) 30 years later. (laughs) So so here's the thing about this movie. 
it's pretty much always playing on one of the streaming services. I'm sorry to go like into this long lecture here. I'm going to try to keep it short. I'm going to try to wrap it up. It's almost always playing on one of the streaming services. Right now it's on Amazon Prime if you're a Prime member. I've been wanting to watch it for a couple of years now for the first time in a long time. And I hadn't done it until I think two or three days ago. And I started watching it after I committed to doing it on this show. And I thought, what the hell have I done? From the very beginning, I could not stand it. That the opening credits are campy and, and amateurish. The plot is so predictable at first. The soundtrack is just atrocious. And yet, as the movie goes on and you start to buy into the characters and they start weaving their magic... I become a little bit like that restaurant critic who appears in the movie who doesn't want to eat the pizza, but he does and decides it's superb. By the end of this movie, I'm like clinging tissues and crying you know, on, the, on the edge of my bed as, you know, as they're all holding a bottle of champagne and staring out into the, into the ocean. It just somehow eventually just kind of wraps its arms around you, and it's, it's like, yes, I know this, there's a lot of cliches here. There's more... I'm sorry in this movie than I've ever seen in any given movie. If I did a cut tape where I just took all the, I said, I'm sorry. It would last longer. Than the entire podcast does, <laughs> but it was, it's a, it's just a weird, what did what were other people's impressions? Like, Jen, I know you love this movie, right? I do. I haven't watched it in a really long time, so I would love to, to check it out again and see if it holds up to my memory. But I I really liked it. I think there was something, just the storytelling was really simple. And like you said, it was predictable. But it's really, I think so much of it relies on all of the actors. Like definitely the, the you know, Annabeth Gish and Julia Roberts, of course, and and Lily Taylor, like they they, they make it happen. Like they, they make this movie what it is. But then also the smaller roles, I think. Everybody, um, I don't remember who played the person who Annabeth Gish has a big crush on. Uh, anyway, I felt like all of the other parts too were just sort of solid. So I think the personalities of the actors carried the movie a really long way. I loved it. I think it's, a, I think, I think, I think <laughs> it's a really great movie. Right. Yeah. How about you, Brad? I, I don't know that I've seen this. Well, I'm sure I've seen it since I saw it in the theaters, but I remember going to see it in the theaters. And again, I know this will surprise you, 80s Nation, but I too had a girlfriend at that time. And the thing that I remember mainly about going to see this movie is when we left, my girlfriend, who prior to seeing this movie could not have any less interest in pizza, suddenly all she wanted to do is go get pizza. That's great. Which is just magical. Oh, that's, that's a, I know. Talk about a win win. So, I mean, I remember enjoying it. Yes, I agree, Steve. It is, you know, the, the plot is, is sky, you know, sky written out in big letters at the beginning of the movie, but that's okay. You know, sometimes it's nice to see what you want to have happen just actually unfold the way you want it to. You know how, why it works? Okay, so you have the most predictable plot on the planet, but you have these three actresses who would go on to just amazing careers, and they take what is very, like, bologna sandwich material and they and make it into the crab so cakes. <laughs> no, not crab cakes. You could do better than that. Lobster cakes. But they they just do a great job. And at that point in my life, I was so in ridiculously in love with Annabeth Gish. I mean, mm. she to me was like the perfect girlfriend. Except for the fact that she slept with a 30-year-old whose uh, daughter she was babysitting. But, uh, oh, wait, that's another spoiler alert. Sorry about that. <laughs> I think Annabeth Gish is a really, really talented actor. And there's one current part that you didn't mention. She was actually in Halt and Catch Fire. Oh, 
Oh, yeah. So if you so that'll be some incentive for you to get back on that series, because once you I get saw, into the last I, couple of, of seasons, she's in it and she's fantastic. Yes. Yes. And I love her hopelessly. And it's just ridiculous. And maybe that's the reason why I can't watch Halt and Catch Fire, because I know I can't have her. Oh, you got to watch Halt and Cash Fire because she's wearing the 80s fashions, except for the last season where it springs ahead a couple years. But yeah, you got to no, see it. You're killing Spearsy. You're killing Spearsy. <laughs> so good. You're stealing his life force. Support for Stuck in the Ages this week comes from HelloFresh, our favorite meal kit delivery service because they shop, they plan, they deliver. Actually, uh, UPS delivers. But nonetheless, step-by-step recipes magically appear along with pre-measured ingredients that spring from the air from fairy dust to our doors each week. Oh, Stephen. You're taking some liberties with UPS's methodologies, that's for sure. But anyway, remember last week when you tried to throw me off by talking about how you wanted to have the chicken fajitas from HelloFresh as your final meal before you died of heavy metal poisoning? Yeah, I kind of vaguely remember that. Well, coincidence, I had those very same chicken fajitas this week, and they were amazing. And now I want them before my funeral. Is somebody writing all this down? Uh, Stephen Brad, chicken fajitas, hello fresh, close the caskets. Got it. I'll make sure Katie writes it down too. Okay, sounds good. Either way, we're covered. So the cool thing about HelloFresh is you choose your meals from about 12 or 15 meals every week. For amazing options, by the way. There's, some, there's always a vegetarian option. There's usually an option where you can – it makes two meals. It makes it like a dinner for you and then a lunch to bring to work. Every week, the makings of my meal arrive at my front door from Ferries in a recyclable box that somehow the Seminole County recycling uh, community won't exactly recycle. They, they always put it back, and I have to break it down, but that's just my own personal problem. I'm going to work through it. But the food inside is always fresh, even though I live in Florida, where it, as, as we say, is 95 degrees with um, slight slight wind chance of uh, 155 and that's what makes it so cool. That's why I've been a customer from HelloFresh for like, uh, oh, Jesus, more than a year now. Yeah. One of the other things that we should talk about now that Steve's done rambling. Steve, I, I don't understand. <laughs> I have to say, I don't understand the the whole breakdown cardboard boxes for recycling. That my, That's like that at my mom's, too. I'm like, what difference does it make? Anyway, back to the show here. <laughs> it's so easy to adjust your account online. It's You just go to the website, choose your delivery date. And if you need to take a couple weeks off, it's not a big deal. Just click on the button that says skip week. Right. And it's I have mine set up to... Uh, it just pulls the money out of my PayPal account. Mm-hmm. I don't, it's, not, it's not a big deal. It is literally the easiest thing you will ever do to make dinner. And here's the difference between HelloFresh. I'm, I'm like, this is not in the script. As you can tell, I'm kind of freewheeling it or freeballing it, however you want to say it, a lot this week on the show. But one of the things I like is, and the other ones don't do this, your box comes, you have three bags. Inside each bag is that meal. Like the, all the ingredients are put together. They're not like, it's not like a bag. It's not like a box of 50 ingredients and you have to figure it it's out. It's not like a fruit basket upset in there. It's all divided out, labeled. Right. So so later on tonight, I, I will reach into my refrigerator. I will find the bag that says, you know, pork tacos, which I think is what I'm making tonight. And it'll all be right there. I won't have to go hunting around for the for the jalapeno or the you know the Chipotle powder. It's right there, and it's it's just as much as I need. Ugh, I'm running out of energy. Brad, take my line for me. Because you're a listener at Stuck in the '80s, you get a brand new special deal for a total of sixty dollars off. That's twenty dollars off each of your first three boxes. Visit HelloFresh.com/slash/radical60 to get started, and then use the promo code Radical60 when you order. 
That's HelloFresh.com slash Radical60 to get started and promo code Radical60 when you order. You know what I'm craving right now? The Seggies. What's happening, hot stuff? Ah, by the sound of the gong, it must be time for Mystery Movie Moment. This is the uh, place in the show where Steve catches a breather, maybe mixes a drink, plays with the cat, and uh, Brad reads a bunch of lines, names. We mispronounce at least two or three for your entertainment. And eventually somebody gets a bottle opener. You guys ready? Yes. Here was the clip. <laughs> Did you drop the mic? <laughs> Here. There's, a lot of, there's a lot of rustling going on on the other lines. Pay attention. Here's a clip from our last show. You got to stay still, okay? You got to stay still, okay, kid? You got to stay still. Here. That's easy money, which, yes, I'm told, we used in the summer of 2016. How do you know that, Brad? Well, because the way I find the winners is I search my email for that in quotes. And oh. we had some come up from 2016. That is so smart. So it's not my first rodeo, dude. <laughs> Brad's a robot. I open, up every, I open up every email and you're like, oh, he got it. Oh, he got it. Oh, he didn't dude, get it. No, don't I'm work harder. Work smarter. Let big data <laughs> help you. My theory. Let big data help you. <laughs> Anyway, uh, read some of the winners. First, let me just say that if people want to call me a robot, I'm going to take that as a compliment no matter how they meant it. Winners this week include... (laughs) that's how I intended it. (laughs) Winners this week include Jeff Penne, Tim in Toadsuck, Brooke in North Dakota, Dave irrationally angry about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame August, Chip in Maryland, (laughs) Mike Wally Walters, Canuck in Colorado, Randy Gelking, Rush Cress, Lynn with three N's in Nebraska, Shazam del St. Louis, Rob from Long Island, Bobby Bunny from West Seattle, and sliding just in under the wire, Kevin Serving Wench, who is the only person who has called me out on making a Mulan quote in the last show. Yeah, that's strange. It was awesome. Bobby Bunny from West Seattle? Is that the nickname or is that, is that Bobby's real name? That's a nickname. Know? That's a nickname. Okay. Why is it that your nickname, Bobby? We need to know. Very curious about that one. The mystery Bobby movie bunny. moment. Robot wants to know why there is a bunny Bob, on the Bobby winner's bunny. list. <laughs> there were no bunnies in the 80s. Okay. Pay attention. <laughs> Here's this week's mystery clip from, uh, let's say, the fall of 2017. I've got it! His real name is Artie Morty. If you know it, email us at podcast at sits.com and tune in next week to find out if you're a winner. Ah, the mystical refrain that is named the 80s tune. Uh, we will play a snippet of a song from the 80s. Song. Pronunciation, not my thing. And if you get it right, again, enter into the drawing for the bottle opener. I want to say we have other swag. Oh my God. You want to talk about swag for a second? Sure. I bought some cool swag for the 80s cruise this year to give away during our trivia sessions. Oh, yeah? I don't know if I told you that. The Mattel electronic football <gasps> game. You did not. Yeah. <laughs> well, I say I bought it for the cruise. If it magically doesn't make it on the cruise, then, you know, just that's just shit just happens, you know? <laughs> I brought you some batteries that you could put in your own one if you buy it. <laughs> <laughs> so um, if you if you didn't know... Brad, Jen, and myself, we're all going to be on the cruise this year, all three of us. It'll be the first time that the three of us will be on the cruise as co-hosts of the show. Yay! And, and Jen's going to help us with trivia, 
And so because we have three people now instead of two, we are planning some fun surprises. And we actually had a conference call last weekend, it was, to talk about... Uh, you know what can we do? What kind of what kind of participation challenges can we have? What kind, what kind of weird questions that we've never asked before can we ask? It was a we had a fun time. Yeah, it, was it, was a, a, it was so it fun. Was a good conversation. We had some good ideas. Well, let me let me rephrase that. The two people that I'm talking today had some good ideas that I'm excited about executing. <laughs> can we give some away? I want to give one away. Okay, which one? Um, well, there's we have like this Monty Hall type idea that Jen came up with. That's going to be fun. And then I came up with this idea called bad acting class where we're going to, we're going to pull like a, a script from a scene from a famous eighties movie and we're going to draw names from a hat. And if you, if you're, if you're drawn, you have to come up and act out that scene from the movie. And if you do, you get a special prize. Yeah. I'm excited about fun. the prizes. I'm really excited about it. I think there's going to be a lot of surprises, but the prizes are the ones, the things that I'm excited about. So just to um, make sure everybody is clear, we're not giving away lots of electronics. So don't get too excited. But I, I think the things that we're choosing are going to be really um, fun and eighties and, and um, I don't know, we'll take you back. I, I don't know. The robot might be, bring you know some what, LEDs and some resistors and stuff. You never know. Yeah. What's kind of cool is Jen's here. So Jen has these ideas that appeal more to the, the lady friends of stuck in the eighties. That, that, that sounds sexist that I said it that way. Doesn't it, it sure does. Our female listeners. Teeny bit, teeny bit. <laughs> Oh, and I'm trying to work out a deal where we're going to have uh, Stuck in the 80s logoed shirts to give away. Nice. Nice. Which, which you, you can buy them online at sit80s.com slash store or come on the cruise and you know try to win one for yourself. So it's going to be fun. We're, we've got some surprises planned, and you can join us. Uh, the cruise leaves March 2nd from Fort Lauderdale on the Celebrity Infinity, a most excellent ship. And if you use the promo code STUCK when booking... You'll save a few hundred dollars, and uh, you'll be friends with us for the rest of your life. Whether you like it or not. Or until the 2020 cruise. <laughs> anyway, where were we? Name that 80s tune. Somewhere, okay, yeah. Ready? <laughs> Here is the clip from our last show. That's Love Plus One by Haircut 100. A lot of people got that one right. Yeah. So, Steve, how well-known, well-known and beloved song? How long would it take you to get to a hundred haircuts? A hundred months. I get one my haircut every month. Huh. Really? Yeah. Hmm. I get my haircut every month. Wow. This lady cuts her hair twice a year. Oh yeah. <laughs> what? Seriously? Sometimes three. I'll do the bangs every now and again, but yeah, I don't. I don't get a lot yeah. of haircuts. I just kind of. Last time I was there getting my haircut. The woman's like, so, you know, where do you work? I'm like, I work at Disney. And then she went on like a 30-minute diatribe about how much she hates Disney. Wow. And I'm like, well, you realize that the money you're going to get as a tip comes <laughs> from Disney. I-, I ain't got no Universal Studio money for you. Do they still so. make Disney dollars? You could tip her in Disney dollars. That would really rile her up. Oh, my God. That would have been great. Here you go. Here's a debit here, card. I don't for- have any cash, but I got two <laughs> Goofies and a Mickey. Yeah, here you go. Enjoy. Anyway, Brad, read some of the winners. Winners this week include Joseph Perdue, Rock the Good Ag, Alan Titus, Dave Parrott, Tommy Doucette, who did get it right in the last show. We, we beat it out, but he did get it right. Scott Nelson, Lou, Sweet Lou, Grilly, Jeremy and St. Pete, Donnie Gettle, Rhymes with Metal, Melissa in McKinney, Texas, Rick Parker, Dr. Dim, Bernie the Dutch Oven Lindemann from Sydney, Australia, and 
Stony Stitt, who I had a nice email exchange with over our shared love of Stan Ridgeway era Wall of Voodoo records. <sighs> love Stan Ridgeway. I know. They're so good. If you want to look back on the history of Stuck in the 80s and you want to say, you know, what was the turning point? It was when we did our interview with Stan Ridgeway. He was either one of the first or the second interviews we ever did. And he was on the phone with us for maybe like 45 minutes. And it was just a well done interview for people who had three people who had never done a good radio interview in their lives. <laughs> well, I mean, you did interview and, people, uh, but maybe not in that media. No, no. I mean, like on the phone, not like celebrities that I actually, you know, worshipped. But there were people who started listening to the show because of that and are still listening today. I, or at least two people, <laughs> I think. So we have that. Jen, you're here, so you get to spin the wheel to see who wins the bottle opener. Er. <laughs> is that too, is that too, uh, we, too soft? We can, you're going to have to do Hold better on. than that. You just it, it only clicked once or twice. Er. Boy, Jen. Muy bueno. Muy bueno. Better. Do, it for, okay. do it for Stan. And it looks like it's going to land on uh, Mike Wally Walters. Hey, it's Hooray. your time. Nice. Yeah, congratulations. So uh, give us your postal address, and we will try to get something out to you soon. In the meantime, pay attention. Here's this week's mystery clip. If you know it, email us at podcast at com, and tune in next week to find out if you're a winner. We'll be right back after this commercial break. Hi, I'm Dumpy the Pumpkin, Carvel's fresh ice cream cake, and I'm back for Halloween. And here's my friend, Wiki the Witch. Having a Halloween party? I'm Wiki the Witch. And what could be more fun than to have us for Halloween? We're both made fresh daily at participating Carvel ice cream stores. You want to send one to a friend? Please phone 800-327-GIFT and call the cake honors most major credit cards. Thank you. And we're back. We have just a few minutes left, thanks to the magic of editing. So I thought, let's reenact an old tradition here at Stuck in the 80s. What's your 80s obsession? Brad, what is your 80s obsession? Okay, I'm getting up on my soapbox on this one a little bit, Steve. In recent episodes, I have cast a little aspersion on the vinyl crowd, and I've gotten a little pushback from that. And, you know, I won't say it's not well-deserved, but I want to just, I want to clarify my position just quickly. Let me start by saying, keep it short. I will. Let me start by saying, I really don't care how you listen to music. If you want to listen to vinyl records, that's great. If you want to listen to 8 bit MIDI versions of songs, that's fine. If you can find them, you know, reel to reel tapes, you know, whatever. You, you do you. And, and I, I totally get how there are aspects of the vinyl listening experience, if you will, that can be very kind of satisfying, right? There's a ritual of setting it all up and, you know, just kind of following the sets, set of, of sequence of steps to get to the point where you're going to sit down and really listen to music and engage with the, the sleeve and all that stuff. And I, I understand how that's important and I understand how that can be a value. So I'm not going to get into that. I don't also, I also don't want to talk about the, it sounds better argument. <laughs> like if you, th- is there anything else you'd like to not get into if you think in this it, argument? Shut up. <laughs> if you think it sounds better, that's fine. It does. I will say I got into an epic fight with a coworker one time who claimed he had directional speaker cables and he could hear the difference if we switched them around. This fight did <laughs> this fight did not allow me to do what would have been a very satisfying double blind test, but it did get me called a flat earther. Huh. So now we're going to get to what I don't like. What I don't like and what I have no patience for is people that use vinyl to gatekeep 
to take up to, and when I say that, what I mean is they take it upon themselves to delineate who does or doesn't have the right to have an opinion about something. Like if you like it, that's fine, but it's not okay for you to use it. Well, you haven't heard it on vinyl to dismiss anyone's opinion. Like, let's face it, back in the day, most of us had records that were scratched and turntables that had needles that were 30 years old and all kinds of other craziness between you and listening to a a clean, pristine sound. I can't get over how convenient it is to listen to music I want to listen to now in this future we live in. I think it's amazing. It's great. And it sounds better than probably 99% of our setups back then. So if you want to sit there and tell me that digital music is soulless well, hey, guess what? If you're going to let some ones and zeros get between you and listening to music, you're going to have a lonely time. And if you're going to look down on me because I use this computer I carry around in my pocket as a proxy for a room or a warehouse full of records, well, who put you in charge? You wow. do truly seem obsessed by this. I think that's a, a accurate. I've said my piece. Yeah. I've said my piece. Yeah. I mean, I was sitting with my jaws on the floor as you were going through that. But uh, I had no idea. It's a real touchstone with you. That's okay. Well, I just, I, Jen, let's, I, let's, I just let's don't move. like people telling me why, you know. Anyway, I'm done. I've said it. Moving on. Turn <laughs> off my microphone. Jen, That's talk a, us down. I'll just do that. I'm going to bridge by, by saying that um, when I had a, a record player in my family home when I was in living in the late 80s, I broke it because I was trying to scratch Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go, and I never told my parents. So, <laughs> wow! <laughs> I broke it real fast. So that's my oh, vinyl yeah. story. I just wanted to like mention that because just to you know br- br- bring it down a thousand, just like. But Brad, I f- I hear you, and I think it all makes a lot of sense. I do. Thanks. Can I can I put one more opinion in here about vinyl? Do it. So <laughs> when I had a record player, I I likewise had a very bad record player in the eighties that was probably underpowered and had the improper needle on it. Most of us but do. But I had a copy of... <laughs> I know. We didn't have those directional cables that you're... I know. <laughs> if only if only we'd had those, our lives would have been different. I had a copy of REO Speedwagon's High Infidelity because it was standardly issued to all of us at that age. And on my copy, the song Don't Let Him Go, there was some sort of flaw on the vinyl record that I had that made it sound like my mom was calling my name from the kitchen in the the second verse. That is so creepy. And so I'd be listening to it and I'd hear Steve. And I'm like, what? And she's like, what? I'm like, what? She's like, what do you want? I don't want anything. Why are you yelling my name then? And so I would go back and I'd start it over again. Steve, what? And this haunted me for years till I finally got a CD, a compact disc, and I listened to that song again and realized that was not in the song. It was only on my vinyl copy of it. Oh, my gosh. And that's why vinyl sucks. No, I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> anyway, I'm, I'm really dragging this out. Jen, save us here. Yeah, I'll be quick. I actually will be quick when I say that. I, I mean it this time. Um, so I am obsessed with the new Joan Jett documentary called Bad Reputation, which I cannot mm. see because it's not playing anywhere near me. Right. But I'm really excited to see it. Um, it's got an 86 on Rotten Tomatoes and actually a 100 from from the audience score. So I'm pretty psyched. And then I'm sneaking a second one in, but it's going to be Go quick. Ahead. I'm super excited. Oh, this this was kind of a surprise, and I'm obsessed with it because I wasn't expecting it. But I was flipping channels a couple weeks ago on a Saturday night, 
And it was on MSNBC that I see Janet Jackson. And I'm like, what is this, a video? What's happening? It was a live performance. She was performing at the Global Citizen Festival, the one they have in Central Park in New York. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. she was owning the stage. And I was just like having all kinds of feelings. And I was thinking like, okay, before there was Beyonce, there was Miss Janet. And she was so great. And she had this outfit on that had like, it was a like a football jersey, kind of a, an awesome little wink, but it had also like this lace thing in the front. I mean, it was, she just looked amazing. Her dancing was on point as usual. Her voice sounded great. And she had this great thing that she said at the end about just fighting for, I mean, just listen to Rhythm Nation. And you'll get the gist. But, um, but yeah, that's, those are the two things that I'm super obsessed with and excited about. And when I, then when I found out that Janet was um, nominated again for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, I got a little excited again. So Joan and Janet, those year. are my obsessions. Yeah, yeah. I hope so. Jo- I hope so. Joan Jett was on. Uh, Joan Jett was on the Mark Maron podcast within the last couple of weeks. She was. And yes, go listen to it. it. I will. She's. It's it's very informative. Um, here are my two ones. I actually have two as well. Real quick, super quick. I am now like become a member of Funko Pop Nation, and I am just collecting all the '80s Funko Pop figures. Nice. This last week, I got the Back Back to the Future ones, Breakfast Club, and Gremlins. So I've got like six new ones, <laughs> and which is a lot for me. That's that's an investment for me. And I've been listening to a lot of music from Nick Hayward from Haircut One Hundred. Segway back to our seggies, and you will find out why in probably an episode or two. And I'll leave it from there. But in the meantime, our movies, our favorite movies, and our not so favorite movies from the uh, month of October nineteen eighty eight. The stars, the memories, <laughs> and the obsessions we still have today. They keep us hopelessly stuck in the 80s. Stuck in the 80s is a member of the CLNS Media Network. Special thanks to Check Battery Daily for our theme music. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or the CLNS Media mobile app.